From Tobacco Republic in Loomis, California, this is Beyond the Humidor with your hosts, Louis Starr, Scott Robinson, and I am Greg Perry. Joining us tonight, tobacconist Craig Perry, my brother. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Humidor. This is Greg coming to you live from a very quiet and closed Tobacco Republic. And joining me is my brother Craig, our tobacconist here. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Kind of surprised you got power down here because, you know, half the state's blacked out. <laughs> it is. You, well, you were here, the, what was it, Saturday night when we got the uh, the message like your area is going to go dark and we had to make preparations, and then we checked again. What was it? Scotty checked again? Yeah. Right before, and it says, like, oh, no, you're, you're not going to lose power. We still have power. We do not have internet because it's uh, Auburn is dead, and that's where internet comes from. Yeah, that's kind of a bit of a problem. But, you know, for those of you that are not in uh, in California listening to us out of the state and out of the country, and we thank you for that, by the way, um, PG&E is the power company here with the exception of a few... Um, municipalities that have their own power, and they're cutting power when it gets windy so they can prevent uh, forest fires, and uh, kind of isn't working all that well, but hey, you know, we do the best we can. Yeah, there's been a lot of fires in California. It's like this state is an inferno at this point. Yeah, that's a mild understatement. I mean, L.A.'s bad. Sonoma County's bad. That's by the coast. Uh, You know, there's little hits and misses everywhere. It's quite crazy, but, you know, we, we trudge on and we do the best we can. That's all we can do. Yeah. So let's talk about what we're smoking while we're getting into it for tonight's show. Well, I am smoking a Cabo Classic Maduro. It's a real nice Dominican Maduro. Nice and smooth. Not too strong. Good flavor. And I'm smoking this right now because I'm a little sick, a little congested. So I wanted a nice, rich cigar I could taste and one that uh, I just enjoy smoking. And if I put it out because I don't feel like continuing smoking, I can do that too. It's a great smoke for all-around usage. Now, I know that's one of the house cigars here, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I think they, I don't know if I've had that one or not, but I know the, the many of the house cigars that, that you guys have here are quite good. One of my favorites is the Cameroon, which uh, we all lovingly call the yardstick, and it's just a really great stick. Yeah, that's my fishing smoke, you know, when I pretend I'm fishing. Yeah, I know how that goes. That was the last time we went. It was pretending to fish. <laughs> so tonight, for my cigar for the episode, I am smoking... It's very hard to say this, even though it's the truth. It's one of my favorites, and, and if you peg me to a favorite, I got so many that it's very hard to, to choose one. But it's the Illusion Holy Lance, done by a friend of ours, uh, Dion, in uh, Reno. He owns Fumari over there, and if you're in the Reno area, check him out. It's, of course, no hard pa- a no hard pick. This is my favorite size in Lancero. It's 7.5 by 40 ring gauge. They come in boxes of 25. This happens to be the Maduro, the red label. And it is a wonderful cigar. It is a what is called a, um, a Lancero or a Panatella, depending on who you talk to. It is a full-strength cigar. It's a Nicaraguan uh, cigar. Country of origin is Nicaragua. It's a Maduro, which is the process of um, aging the cigars to get a richer little bit stronger flavor out of it and a little bit of sweetness oh absolutely and it's a it's wrapper is a mexican um san andreas so it's a really great smooth rich um subtle pepper flavored cigar it's just an excellent smoke for the night 
Indeed. And, you know, we were going to have some rum, but, you know, with you being sick and not being able to taste anything, it's kind of like, eh. Well, you don't really enjoy that much rum on your own. No, I'm not a rum drinker. I'm a scotch drinker. But There's uh, no reason to have it until we have more people here. True. But what what were you thinking? What was on the agenda? Well, we're going to diplomatico rum, but we'll talk about that when we're drinking it. Okay. It's great rum. You should have it. It's a really nice dark rum. So... You know, we've been talking these last few episodes about uh, different things. We talked about um, reviewing the reviewers, how you or we uh, take cigar reviews. We talked about humidors, how to pick them. Um, We talked about, uh, what else did we talk about? I'm blanking here. Well, we talked about our favorite cigars. Mm, Yes. Our go-to cigars. We've talked about Star Trek. We've talked about Star Wars. And we've talked about humidors. We've talked about sizes. And yes, size does matter in a cigar, folks. Oh, of course. It always does. Yeah, size matters everywhere. The smaller, the better in this case. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that we haven't touched on, and, um, you know, maybe it's a good topic for tonight since it's just the two of us, is, you know, cigars often, uh, when they're rolled, they are laid down before they're shipped to the consumer and aged. And then there's also, we as the consumer will tend to age them on top of the laydown. So, you know, Craig, what, what is aging? What does that mean? So aging is, uh, when you age a cigar, you're trying to get different flavors, more flavors. So it's kind of like wine. The longer they age it to get certain profiles and things like that, it's very similar. It's like wine. Cigars and wine go well together. You keep them in the right conditions, they'll last forever. So when you're aging a cigar, you're you're trying you're you're specifically trying to get a cigar that to, to mellow it out, to marry the flavors together, to get a more rounded flavor. It, it's a it's a really good process. And to jump back onto a little bit quicker with the aging process, there's a couple of aging processes before the cigar is even rolled. There's the Maduroing process, which we've talked about before, and there's the process where after they harvest the tobacco, they hang the leaves in an aging room to get the ammonias out and other things in the leaf, and they'll hang them there for, on average, let's just say three years in order to uh, get that out and get the better cigar. Then they'll roll it, and then they'll age it uh, rolled together so the flavors can marinate and marry together before it even goes to uh, the retail stores. Oh, nice. And then then there's, of course, the aging. They Don't they normally box them up and then they age them again for a little while before they go out? Uh, yeah, they usually uh, they usually roll them and then they lay them down. They don't usually box them until they're right about to ship them. Okay, cool. And then I know, of course, in our case, like for you and I, um, one of the cigars we talked about last week, the Meliga, um, you know, that had exquisite aging when we got them. And then, Seven you know, years. we're still sitting on cigars and they're aging now. I mean, you're talking... The seven years when we got them, and now I think it's about three three more years since then. So it's, we're talking ten years. It's longer than that. Is it really? About five or six years, yeah. Wow, and then we're talking into 12 or 13 years. I was back when I was at Safeway, man. That was a long time ago. That's true. You know, and it, it, is there a time, Craig, where you've aged it too long? Well, I don't actually age that many cigars, but I do know that Bob, uh, our good friend Bob, Cigar Review Bob, had a cigar, a particular Tatawahe, that he really liked. And remember that when he talked about it? He thought it would get better in a year, and then he aged it for a year and di- discovered he didn't like what he tur- it turned into at all, and he wished he had smoked it when he bought them. Well, that's always the gamble, you know. I mean, I- I've always gone under the philosophy, um, because I have an aging story like that as well, 
um, I've gone, and since that aging story is the philosophy is smoke the cigar for the moment you enjoy it because it'll change and you may or may not enjoy it again. So um, Via Havana had come out with a, I believe it was an experiment. It was the, if you remember, the Via Havana Dolce Lancero, and it was a Maduroed um, cigar that had been, the cap had been put on with um, honey and brown sugar. Mm -hmm. And they were phenomenal cigars in Lanceros. And I bought a ridiculous amount of them, had a lot of them. I actually had a full 100-count humidor, and with Lanceros, that could be two or 300 cigars in a 100-count. And the heartbreaking thing was the older they got, the sweetness that made us enjoy it disappeared. So that was the lesson I learned from that is you, if you get a cigar you like and you like its features, you need to smoke it for that moment because the longer it ages, it mellows and the flavors marry and you may lose what you enjoyed. So, you know, aging cigars is great for certain ones, but sometimes you may not have to. But that's my personal opinion. So everybody out there in listener land, take that for what it's worth. You know, and, and if you've got an aging story, you know, shoot it to us. Let's uh, let's hear it and see what it's like. I don't disagree with you. The, the few times I've aged cigars, it was more to see what they'd turn into. And I wasn't disappointed, and oftentimes I wasn't blown away. But the few times I was, you know, it just couldn't have been better. Yeah, I think it really depends because a strong cigar, if it's too strong when you initially buy it, aging usually mellows it out and makes it wonderful. The um, converse of that is... A weeks a, a more mild cigar will get more mild, and then you smoke air. Yeah, that that is the case. Like a Sumatra that's ten years old will have good flavor, but after ten years, it will it will it will get really soft, and it'll have that nice flavor, but it'll be very mild by comparison. It'll almost feel like you're smoking a Connecticut. Well, you know that's <laughs> true because um, one of our our good friends at the shop here, he bought um, a hundred count box of the edge Sumatras that had been aged for a very long period of time. And that is true. They, they're still wonderful smokes. They're still rich, but they're subtle now instead of being up front. It's very subtle flavors. Indeed. It's still an amazing cigar though. Absolutely. So, so cello or no cello? Well, I think if you're, if your intention is to age a cigar, no cello. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if it's a cigar, you're going to smoke through on a regular basis like it's your everyday smokes that you just go in there, grab and smoke. You should keep them in the cellophane because it does a good job of protecting them. But if you're going to stick them in your humidor specifically to age them, you should take them out of the cellophane because the cellophane slows down the aging process. And, uh, okay, okay, I don't have more to say to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's pretty simple. It's true. And, 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 you know, folks, um, regular cigar smokers know that it's about, I would say a 50, 50 mix between all the manufacturers whether they ship cigars in cello or not. Um, so that really does depend. I am of the camp that when I get a box of cigars, even if it is going to go into my humidor for just temporary storage to smoke, I take all the cello off. I think it doesn't change anything as far as I'm concerned, but it is more convenient because, one, I don't have to remove the cello, and number two, um, it does tend to age a little bit, I think, better because it, they do age in cello. I think they just age slower. Am I right? They do. They do age much slower. I just like to keep them in cello from a regular smokes because, you know, I'm clumsy. If I drop them or miss something, it does a much better job of protecting them. Yeah, that's true. You'd maze an errant fingernail 
can really tear up the wrap relief on a cigar. Or bent one when I wasn't paying attention, and it's like, well, I guess I'll just smoke it anyways. So bent cigar, funny story for you on that one. Um, about a year ago, Scott and I were up in Fumari, and I had bought two Padron uh, A-size cigars. And if you're not familiar with an A-size, it's usually uh, 50 to 55 ring gauge, and it's about 10 inches long, I think. And nine and a half. Nine, nine and a half. Yeah. And so Scott and I are smoking them. <coughs> no dying on the program. Uh, I would never do such a thing. I'll save that for after. Okay. Um, so Scott and I are, are getting ready to smoke these, right? And I pull them out of the out of the storage device, which if you were listening to the past show, I'm out of space. I've got cigars in plastic Ziplocs with Bovita packs because I'm, I have so much cigars and I don't have a cabinet humidor. So I pulled them out and they were bent. Not horribly bent, not cracked wrapper bent, but the cigars had developed a little bit of a bend. They smoked fine. They were still delicious, but it just looked funny when you were smoking your cigar because you're used to something that's ramrod straight, and these just weren't that way. Yeah. We actually nicknamed them something, but I, I'm going to leave that alone. That's probably not a good thing to say. No, actually. not at all. <laughs> so, you know, uh, one of the notes that, that I don't see in this particular section that we're talking about is um, at certain times when you age a cigar, they tend to do something magical, and they what's called plume. I okay. think we should we should explain plume a little bit. So plume is when this it's hard to get plume. It's just something that just kind of happens. But what plume is is the sugars in the leaf crystallize and come to the surface. So it brings out the natural sweetness in the cigar. And you'll look at the cigar and it'll look like little crystalline structures on the outside. And if you've never seen it before and you think it's mold, take it to a tobacconist and ask them because there's there are problems with them. If you have mold, it's a huge problem. But if you have plume, people will specifically look for plume cigars because of the taste it imparts into a cigar. And if you've never had a plume cigar, find one, smoke Get one that is not plumed and get one that is plumed of the same cigar so you can smoke them and taste the difference. It is a magical experience. Yes, it actually is. And it's actually disturbing when one of us pulls out a cigar out of the lounge in here and it's plumed. I noticed um, the 724s, the Lanceros, because they're cedar-wrapped in their in their cello, you see that periodically when you pull one out of there. Yes, you do. It's and a- <laughs> it's a fight for that one. I have to fight the urge when I see them plume to not take them, put them in my pocket so they're mine and just leave them there for someone else. How nice that you think of the consumer. I, I really do. I mean, there are some times where I don't, but, you know, most of the time I do. <laughs> I can be selfish. What can I say? That's true. You get that privilege periodically. Occasionally. You, know, you mm-hmm. got to think of yourself every once in a while. You know, and there was a story that's been told around this shop for a while. Um, one of the patrons, I haven't seen him in a very long time, his humidor plumed. He thought it was mold. He upended the entire humidor worth of cigars into the garbage. That happens. That's actually happened quite frequently. I had that happen about a year ago where somebody said, oh, my God, my cigars had developed mold, and I had to get rid of them all. And I said, what did it look like? And he's like, it's just white mold on my cigar and i'm just like are you sure it was mold it wasn't plume and then after i explained what plume is he's like so i just threw away a bunch of really good cigars unfortunately you did yes you did and i have never seen cigar moldy cigars white i've always seen them green 
She's green, yellow, or gray, things like that. Mm-hmm. But this really looks like if you've ever had a beignet with all that powdered sugar on it, take the beignet, blow it off a little bit, and you see this fine crystallized um, color on it. That's what the plume looks like. And it's, like I said, it's a phenomenal experience. It's a really good description of what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It's it's literally <laughs> crystal sugar dusted off. So what do you think of uh, the idea of cedar dividers for aging cigars? Do you think it's necessary or do you think you don't need it? You know, um, given that all my humidors come with cedar dividers, uh, it's necessary. I mean, they put cedar in, in humidors for a reason. A lot of your high-end cigars come in cedar boxes, or in the 724's case and a few others that I can think of, they come wrapped in cedar. Um, some of the Fuentes do to impart that cedar flavor to the cigar. So I think as far as aging goes, if you're a person that likes cedar, I know our friend Roy is, um, I'm one of them who likes it, then yes, it is a necessity to age your cigars because I happen to like that that subtle pininess, if you will, in, uh, imparted to my cigars. Well, yeah, that is that is a good point. And there's also the consideration that some people, would they they like the idea that, uh, and there's, there's merit to this because this is why manufacturers keep them separated, is if you take like a Nicaraguan cigar and a Dominican, two very different blends, and you have them laying next to each other in a humidor as they're touching, over a long enough period of time, they the, the flavors will marry over and they'll and they'll adopt each other's tastes. Will they really? Yeah. Even though it's two different varieties of tobacco. I mean, it's the same principle of, of rolling a cigar, right? That's all the leaves just rolled together. There's no special. There's no special method. They're just uh, marrying together, kind of like a stew. And that's true. I never thought about it in that quite context before. Yeah. So there's, there's a good reason to use use cedar dividers if you want to age cigars and keep them tasting a certain way. And I can't speak for every tobacconist and every cigar lounge that you're going to meet, but most cigar stores have a good supply of the little cedar um, toppers and bottoms that come in the boxes. Uh, we talked about in a previous episode, if you wanted to get spills, um, you can always ask your local tobacconist. I know you guys keep a supply of them here in the shop for that purpose. Yeah, they're, they it, most of the boxes come with a cedar divider, so just put them off to the side, and if anybody wants them, but I can just get them some. So cedar, guys, think about it. Try it out. Right. What do you expect when you're, I mean, I know you said you don't normally age cigars, but when you do think about aging a cigar, what are you expecting from it? Oh, I do have tons of cigars that are aging right now. I know half of some of them are mine too. Well, not only that is I have I have a I have one humidor dedicated to cigars that I got because they're rare and I wanted them, and I haven't had I haven't nutted up to smoke any of them yet, so they're just sitting there, getting better and better, and I don't even know what they taste like. But that's kind of a problem, you know. I don't think so. Huh? I, I'm a collector. I don't know why it's this compulsive need now. Boy, you and Bob are really getting good at that, huh? Yeah. So what to expect when you age a cigar? Let's get back to that question because it's a good question. So typically when you age a cigar, like we said earlier, it's going to mellow the flavors out. It's going to marry them together better. It's been described sometimes as as if you age it too long, it becomes a one-note cigar, which I can see the merit in that because the more you age it, the mellower it gets, the more the flavors marry together, which is not necessarily a bad thing. If you're looking for a really smooth, really flavorful experience, it's a great thing to age a cigar. You can also expect that with particularly with Maduros, like if you if you're somebody who buys Opus Xs and then sits on them for a while because they don't want to smoke them, you, you might be disappointed in a couple of years when they're a lot mellower than you remember them. 
because they won't be as quite as they won't have that strength of a punch that they used to have. So they'll get milder. They'll also get sweeter, like particularly a Corojo. It's a it's an it has this natural sweetness, and the older it gets, the, the sweetness will come more will come more to the cigar as the older it gets, which is what I really like about the Corojo leaf itself. Hey, I got an off-topic question for you though, but since you brought up Corojo, what's your favorite kind of leaf? Corojo. Corojo leaf? Corojo is one of my favorites. See, I'm I love Corojo and I'm also partial to the Cameroon leaf as well. I really like the Cameroon as well. Mm-hmm. And if you're not sure what we're talking about, guys, um, specifically we're talking about what the cigars either the wrapper or the binder and the fillers made of, and the Corojo and, and Cameroon just happen to be one of our favorites. It's the Corojo and Cameroon seed, but you can grow it any, in any country and changes the flavor and how you grow it, and it gets very complicated. Well, true, because, you know, and, and we're still getting away from the topic, but nonetheless, um, the if you remember when the you weren't working here, I was, but the Esteban Carrera's Chupacabra, the cigar, the wrapper leaf is grown on an island in a lake in Nicaragua. And it, it literally, when they say in a um, cigar review that you taste hints of chocolate, this particular cigar, the, the Maduro um, of the Chupacabra, it's not a hint. It's a forward flavor of chocolate. And it's because of the volcanic soil on that island that this tobacco is grown in. And it, it's just a unique Unique cigar. It's one I recommend everyone try. It is a distinctly chocolate, like a rich Belgian chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely European chocolate, not American chocolate. Not Hershey's. Very <laughs> Hershey's is very sweet. I love Hershey's, but it's not the same animal. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, this last subject point on this one says, you may or may not like what the cigar turns into. I think we pretty much hit that one on the head, haven't we? We did, but we'll hit it again. By all means, this is your 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 subject since you are. I agree with everything you said about just enjoy it for what it is. Well, and that you know, uh, not to not to beat a dead horse or be a broken record, but but I truly believe you know. Um, and I kind of miss the chorus of my counterparts uh, being here. You know, we as cigar smokers, we smoke cigars for the simple and pure enjoyment of doing so. It's a relaxation. It's a stress reliever. It's a uh, a pleasurable experience. Whatever moniker you want to put to it, that is the reason behind the choice to become a cigar smoker and to smoke a good cigar. And in that note, in the same vein, like I said earlier, if you find a cigar that you really like, make sure that you are smoking that for that present moment because in with time and aging, it does change. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing. And, you know, in a lot of cases, it's good. And in some cases, it just doesn't work. Indeed. But, you know, I want to I wanna get on to something else that, that, that caught my fancy. And you did it. I actually saw that. You've got a cigar sitting out of your humidor, and it's been sitting out of your humidor for about two weeks now. Mm-hmm. What's going on with that? Oh, I over-humidified I over the crap out of it. I had to leave it drying out. It was it was way too wet, and then I and then I forgot about it, so I got to put it back in the humidor. So you know, since um, we are on, we are a couple days away from Halloween. Let's talk a little bit about zombie cigars, if you will, and not a brand, mind you, about zombifying a cigars. For example, his was over; it was too wet. He left it out to dry out and forgot about it. Is that a problem? I mean, is that bad? Is it good? What 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 are your thoughts and philosophies on that? Well, uh, is it ideal? No. Is it terrible? No. Does it qualify as tobacco abuse? 
It, it kind of is. It, at this point, it's to definitely tobacco abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have been more mindful of it, but it is what it is. But, uh, I mean, ideally, you don't want to be constantly taking your cigars from high humidity to low humidity to no humidity like I did with that one cigar. But you can recover a cigar. You can revive a cigar because we'll just transition into humidity and oils because it's important. This yeah, is relevant. It, it is. Please educate me. I, I mean, I have the basics understanding, but. So the difference, the, the thing is, is your cigar has, what gives a cigar the flavor is the oils and the leaves are what gives it the flavor. The humidity, mm-hmm. the moisture is what is what allows it the, the leaf to be malleable and workable so you can roll it into a cigar and, and have it as it is what it is so it doesn't dry out when you're smoking it. So the oils are what comes with the flavor and with humidity is, like I said, the drier it is, the the easier it is for the scar to crack when you're smoking it. The wetter it is, like if it gets too wet, it can grow mold, which is why you don't want to let it get too wet. So that's another problem to look out for. Mm-hmm. And I know that essentially when you leave a cigar out of your humidor, when you go from the 70 and 70, that's 70 degrees at 70% humidity conditions of your humidor, to particularly states like ours where the humidity averages, except in the wintertime, around 10%, um, what damage is that doing? Especially, I know a cigar can be out of that for a little bit. In fact, a uh, funny story here on that note of what it does. So we were sitting in the lounge one day, um, probably about four or five years ago. And, you know, I'm sitting here going, I, I just don't get it. I don't see what you mean by humidity. So the proprietor, the leaf by Oscar had just come into the shop. And if you're unfamiliar with the Leaf by Oscar, they come in a Connecticut, a Corojo, a Sumatra, and a Maduro. They are exquisite cigars from the Island Gym line. Um, They come wrapped, instead of cello, they are wrapped in a tobacco leaf. That is their outside protection. So the proprietor grabbed one of those outside leaves that he had been keeping, um, and he brought it from the humidor, put it in the lounge. Now, the lounge is not humidified, and we use a um, forced ventilation system to clear the smoke. So we're pulling in the outside non-humidified air into the lounge, and then it pulls the smoke out of the building. So he goes, okay, so you want to understand the difference. Feel the leaf now, and it's very pliable. It's very soft. You can crinkle it in your hand and squeeze it and then unroll it, and it'll be just fine. Yes. 30 minutes sitting in here with the ventilation system going and us continuing on our usual BS sessions and, and et cetera, within half an hour, when you picked up that cigar and you squeezed it, it literally crinkled and fell apart. It was amazing how fast it dried out, and it got me thinking, okay, so we pull these wonderful cigars out of humidification, and if we're not going to light and smoke right away, that's going to happen. Uh-huh. That's why a lot of times when you see somebody smoking a Connecticut, which is a typically a very thin leaf, if they're smoking it in hot temperature and low humidity, like in California, where it will dry out really fast to where you, you light the cigar and before you get it halfway down, the wrapper wants to crack, there's a really simple solution to that. I was hoping you were going to bring that up because if you didn't, I was. Yeah, so the simple solution is there's a couple of ways you can do it. The simplest one that's easiest way is you, you take a glass of water and you dip your finger into the glass of water and then you just rub the outside of the leaf with a little bit of water and you just then you just set it down for about five minutes and let it let it dry out a little bit. And then when you light it up, it'll be nice and moist in this 
Like in California, we'll get a hundred degree weather, and At it'll just two percent humidity. Yeah, and it'll be just completely. It'll be so dry outside that you need that little bit of extra moisture to keep the cigar from cracking. The other alternative you can do, which is simpler and easier, but it's a lot easier to screw up, is you take the cigar and you uh, you hold it where the foot is down, and then you can just quickly run it under some run it under the faucet so it gets it gets wet. Then you let it dry out. But not too wet. You just real quick let it let it get wet and let then let it dry out and you can do the same thing. Well, and there's another method that I have also seen done and it seems to work pretty well. Um, when I gave Dad that beautiful Byron for his birthday a few years ago, I took the cigar. I got a paper towel. I got the paper towel soaking wet and I squeezed as hard as I could. Got every bit of water out of it so that paper towel was just barely damp. Rolled the cigar in that paper towel. Let it sit for ten minutes. Unrolled it let it sit until the cigar was dry to the touch, and then had him smoke it to prevent the cracking the same way. So all three methods work. Um, I can't say I'd be very comfortable running my cigar under a tap, but I the other, like the other two methods. I'd recommend the other two methods. Yeah, so would I. The, other, the tap one works, but it's easy to screw up. So getting back to the original roundabout way we got to this subject is... I forgot what it was. Well, we were talking about humidity... And how the humidity helps the cigar be pliable for rolling. It also keeps it together as you're smoking it. But there's another part that we didn't touch on, and that is the oils that are in the tobacco leaf and what drying does to those. That's right. We didn't talk about that. So so uh, the oils take a much longer time to dry out. So when you leave a cigar out of humidity, it, the humidity will dry up much faster and the oils will dry out much slower and the average time that says if it goes beyond six months, it's a gamble. But if you get around six months, you can pretty much guarantee you may or may not, they may or may not come back. Because if the oil's drought in the cigar, you might as well just be smoking wood chips or leaves from your backyard because the, the taste is going to be completely gone. So what you do is if you leave a cigar out for, let's say, a month or so, you forget about it, you can take that cigar very carefully because you don't want to crack the wrapper because it's going to be very brittle and very dry. You stick it back in your humidor, and you're just going to leave it in there for a month because you want to let the cigar reconstitute inside and out so it's completely back to normal. And let's say for every month it's out, you leave it in your humidor for another month. And the closer you get to six months, the less likely they'll come back. So... They'll usually come back, but you, the closer you get, the, the more of a risk you're taking. So just keep that in mind. And that, that literally is the is the next next question I had for you was how to revive a cigar, and that's pretty much it. It's not that complicated. No, it's, it's just, guys, it's tobacco abuse if you're going to do that, so please be careful. One thing I would recommend doing, and anybody who wants to learn more about cigars, is intentionally leave a cigar, like to get two cigars. You don't have to get them at the same time, but get the exact, exact same cigar, Leave one out for a month, just out of humidity, leave it on the counter somewhere, let it dry out, and then take the same exact cigar that's fresh, ready to go, nice and humidified, and then smoke them both so you can taste the difference. You want to know what it tastes like when you're smoking a dried-out cigar. It's part of knowing, knowing what you're smoking, like when you can taste the ammonia and other things. You want to learn, you want to learn what those different things are you're tasting so you can know this cigar is, is dry. You need to know that. Yeah, it really will help you to identify problems. And then there's the other concern we're talking about drying out cigars, and we touched on this in a couple episodes back with the humidor. You also have to pay attention to the environment inside your humidor. It has to be maintained. If you let the humidor dry out, 
the cigars are going to dry out as well because the wood in the humidor is absorbing that humidity as well. So when the Bovita pack, the Zycar puck, the Oasis system, um, however you humidify your humidor, if those dry out, the wood will expel its moisture until it runs out and then the cigars fall next. So the, the humidification system goes out, then the wood is going to dry out in your humidor, it'll get loose, um, and it won't expand and be tight-fitting, and then the last step in that is your cigars dry out, and then you play the recovery game, which I'll be honest, I've had to do. I forgot about a humidor. I had to pull the cigars out, put them in a bag with a Bovita. They did come back. But the harder part was recovering that humidor because that's a long process. It's about a month process if you let the humidor completely dry out. So, you know, I don't recommend that. I recommend careful monitoring of your cigars. Indeed, there are ways to speed up your humidor's recovery process. Like one method you can do, I think we talked about this. I can't remember. We're going to talk about it now because I can't remember. Is if you take some distilled water and get a rag, a clean rag, wet with distilled water and wring it out, you just want the rag damp. So what you do is when you're about to re-season your humidor, you take the damp rag with distilled water and wipe the interior of it, top and bottom, to get to start the process of that wood getting getting the moisture in, and that'll help speed up the seasoning process. Yeah, and I know that the new systems out there, like the Bovita, really makes it convenient. I mean, because I remember the old system, you know, the Zycar system took a little while, and you normally had to help that out by putting a a shot glass with water in there and keep filling the shot glass until the shot glass didn't need to be filled anymore. And then you knew that the cigar, the, the I'm sorry, the humidor was seasoned. So that's an old school method. Yeah. Bovita's new system is great. You just take an 84%. You can throw it in there and let it just humid, just, just, just dump humidity and it'll go real quick. Yeah. They're really good systems. And what I like about the Bovita system is it doesn't drip like the other systems did. You know, they would tend to, to drip on your cigars. I remember with one of my humidors, I actually put a, um, I folded a, a, a letter-sized sheet of paper in thirds and left it under there just so that the paper would absorb the moisture instead of dripping on my cigars. Yeah. I quickly replaced that humidity system as well. You know, we, we I think we, we touched on, we talked about how long it takes to, to lose the oils for them to dry out the cigar. It's approximately six months, right? It's about six months, yeah. And when... When you get to that point, you either either get rid of the cigars or you just rehumidify them and take the risk, and maybe they come back, maybe they didn't. Mm-hmm. I know we did that. One of our friends, we'll get him on the program eventually, I hope. Um, he bought some cigars at an estate sale, and it was probably about 800 and almost 900 cigars. And they had been out of humidification for a little while, and if I remember correctly, he reconstituted them in his, he has a beautiful 4,000 count cabinet humidor. It's uh, We lovingly call them a Husador because it was a wine cabinet that he had a, a, a one of the guys at the shop here who's a, a excellent woodworker make into a humidor for him. And uh, I think we sat on those in his humidor for like 12 months almost before we started smoking them. Uh, I want to say eight months, something eight? like that, yeah. It was a long time. It was a long time. But I tell you, man, almost... All of them came back, and they're really good. Occasionally, you find the one like, oh, I've never heard of this brand before. Now I know why. That is that is a problem. Yes. Like uh, the one that tastes like rotten lime and skunk's ass. That was not a good cigar. 
Well, and then remember that one you gave me that tasted like gin. Oh, juniper berries, yeah. Yes, that was awful. I didn't know that's what it was. It was just some random cigar I had. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So one of the other topics that we, we have on our list here, how long to revive a cigar? Realistically, it's how long do you think it's been out of the humidor? That's how long it needs to go back in the humidor and rest for, don't you think? That's exactly what it needs to be. You could you could do less time, but to be sure, you want to do if it's out for three months, put it back in for three months. Just don't touch it. Let it let it reconstitute because you want all the tobacco in there, the wrapper binder and the three fillers to fully rehumidify before you try to smoke it. But guys, let me tell you, leaving cigars out of your humidor—that's tobacco abuse. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. That's just bad. You know. I had a thought, and it's gone now. <laughs> You're not that old, man. Come I know. On. That's a problem. You know, That's like a 50-, 60-year-old problem. Well, you know, you never know. It could be. Dem- Early-onset dementia. Early-onset Alzheimer's. Yeah, that yeah. could be. Um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. So how's that, how's that uh, yardstick working out for you? It's working out good. Nice flavor still? It's still got Oh, I remember the thought. Okay. But please, finish finish your description on the cigar. It's good flavor. I mean, I can... Struggling to get taste out of it because of my... um, When I can't smell very well, like I said, most of my taste comes from my my sinus cavity. So it's harder harder to get the flavor, but it's still a good cigar. I'm still enjoying... I enjoy smoking. Even when I can't taste it, I still enjoy smoking. So I did think of what that thought was. Um, And maybe you have some thoughts or insights on this. You know... I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this. There are two types of cigar smokers, typically. There's the guy that holds the cigar in his teeth and gets the end of his cigar sopping bloody wet. Mm. Wes is one of those. Mm, yeah. Okay? There are guys like me who don't do that. I tend to hold the cigar in my lips so it doesn't get wet. That being said, there are still times where you get this oily, bitter substance on the end of the cigar. What I don't know if you know this or not, but what is that, and is there a way to prevent it? Well, a lot of that's a tar when you're drawing the smoke through, and if you're one of those people who does what Wes does, and also I do it too, because I've gotten to the point where the tobacco, the tobacco leaf itself, where if you just lick the leaf, it's kind of bitter, and I've actually gotten to where I enjoy the taste of it. I don't, I don't really like it so much, but I enjoy the taste. It's kind of like a guilty pleasure thing. So I'll chew on a cigar while I'm smoking it, and I'll get it. I'll try not to get it sopping wet, but if you do get the end sopping wet, you'll notice that as you're pulling the smoke through, that smoke will collect on that moisture, and it'll just get this feel like this oily, sticky tar, and that's that that's that taste. It's just that that gets incredibly bitter and and terrible. So if you're if you if you do that, that's just one of the pitfalls you got to be aware of. There's really no way to prevent it than what it sounds like. Oh, you just don't do that. Now, I'll tell you, one of the methods that I will occasionally use, and it typically ends up biting me in the ass, is I get that on the end of my cigar, so I take it, put it in the cutter, and cut off the end again. The problem being, and the hazard to that is, you cut the cap off. And if you cut the cap off, folks, you know what happens. Just hold it together with your teeth. The cigar unravels. I don't do the whole teeth thing. It doesn't work for me. You should. But... I might get there eventually. Actually, there's one cigar I do do that with, and that's the chisel. 
the LFD chisel, but mine's the Cameroon, mind you, not the traditional chisel, because I'm not that brave. Oh, come on, double Ahero, man. It's a good cigar. You gotta smoke oh, it. Don't get me wrong. I do enjoy the double Ahero leaf, um, but that's one where size does matter, and bigger is better, in my opinion, because the larger the ring gauge, the less power that double Ahero has. So I find that when I smoke the Digger or the DL700, which is a 60 ring gauge, and it's either a 9.5 or a 7, um, between the Digger and the DL700, I prefer those over the smaller ring gauges because there's less power in my case. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a Maduro guy typically like you and Wes and, and Roy and others are. Yeah, I've become less of a Maduro guy. I still enjoy the taste, but I've gotten to where I really like the taste of light to medium cigars more. Actually, you know, it's funny you say that because Roy says the same thing. That's one of the things where, you know, we need to get Roy on one day and talk about his, his cigar smoking experience from when he started smoking and it was consistently Maduro's to where his palate's developed to now. I think that would be an interesting insight, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he used to, what is it, he used to only smoke chisels at it one point? It was a power through chisels, you know, three and four chisels a day, which I don't know how, unless your Eric can handle that. Hanson's a good guy. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he even knows about the program. We might have to shoot him a text message with the link so he can check that out. I bet he doesn't even know how to get to a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't involve beer or a comfortable chair in his garage with a cigar. I don't think it's his thing. That's true. Hey, Alan, (laughs) if you're listening, you want to help him out when you see him next. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, I... I kind of want to want to touch briefly on a topic here. I know we're going to devote a show to this, and we're also going to devote some videos to this, but tools that go along with cigars are important to the process. And one of those tools is, of course, your, humi- your humidor, which we talked about in a previous episode, whether it be a, a cabinet humidor, a tabletop humidor, or a travel humidor. But there are other tools to consider as well. There's a cutter and a lighter. And there are many different kinds of cutters. There's V cutters, there's straight cutters, there's scissor cutters, there's um, cap cutters like I prefer. There's many different ones. All those things, all those require maintenance. And I think the biggest one, which you'd agree with me, is just keeping it clean because they tend to get dirty. Very. a A lot of problems with cutters people will have is they don't clean them. One of the simplest way to clean a simplest ways to clean a cutter is is you have mineral spirits. Because they're they're typically stainless steel and they're self sharpening when the as the blades rub against each other, so what you should what you want to do is take the mineral spirits, put it on a paper towel, get it wet, and then rub that all over the over the over the cutter, and then work it in there. Just work the uh, cutter in and out, and then just set it down and let it sit for about a half hour because the mineral spirits will do a real good job of clearing the gunk off, and anything that might particulates might be stuck on the cutter. And then after that half hour, take the take a dry towel and just wipe it down. Just get a, get whatever's left over off it and do a really good job of cleaning it. If you have to go more complicated, there are other methods, but that's the simplest way. If you just do that on a regular basis, it'll keep your cutter sharp and clean. That's typically typically the best way to do it. And I think that's what you mostly do here when people are bringing cutters with the problems. Yeah, that's mostly what I do. It's really easy and it's simple simple solution. They sit down, they smoke a cigar, and by the time they're done, I can have their cutter clean. Now, what is the most essential thing, tool, that goes along with cigars? Well, besides the lighter or the matches? No, the lighter, the, the heat ignition source. Be- that's the most sacred tool, I think. 
There we run into an interesting conundrum because there are so many different methods to light a cigar. You've got matches, of course. You've got uh, spills. You've got a torch lighter, soft flame lighter. I know there are some people perish the thought that light them with Zippos. They must like the taste of butane, liquefied butane. Or gasoline. I love yeah, the, either I love way. The, I love the smell, but I don't necessarily want to smoke it. I agree with you on that one. But there's also a new kind of lighter coming out, which I've, I hate to say this, but I ordered one just to see what it's like. Are you talking about that electric lighter? Yes, I am. I haven't played with any of those yet. You'll have to let me know how it is. Well, I got one coming from Amazon. It wasn't that expensive. Sorry about that. I didn't buy it from you guys, but you don't have any. I don't sell them. Yeah, well, I don't know if people know about them, so we'll, we'll have to experiment with one. But, you know, lighter maintenance is equally as important and actually essential. If you're like Craig and I, um, Lewis, Scott, Bob, Sarah, all of the all of us that are on this program, Larry included, we all have our everyday, let's be kind and call it a junk lighter. It's inexpensive. It's the one that we use in the car or like you and I when we go fishing. We do not take our high-end lighters when we do stuff like that. So we have a junk lighter. They're typically plastic. They got a nice reservoir, three flame, two flame, whatever. And you've also got medium-valued lighters, as far as I'm concerned, and then you've got your high-end-valued lighters. It doesn't matter what the price point is. They all need to be maintained, and I think you can agree with me that's one of the biggest things that people don't do, and it's one of the reasons why you are spending so much time playing lighter repair technician. Which I don't mind. You know, it, 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 has, it has a thing. I'll fix your lighter for free. If you want to ask questions, it's $50 an hour. If you want to Watch it's three hundred. You know it's it's. Uh, what about if they want to help? Oh, that may, it's it's it. The price is just unbelievably high. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some tips that you can give our listeners on basic lighter maintenance that they can do themselves that doesn't require coming in and having you tear the lighter apart? Well, the the one of the main problems that that people have with lighters is, is they don't. Excuse me, I bumped my microphone is they don't uh, bleed the air out of their lighter because as you use it, as you fill it, it gets air in there. And the more air that's in there, the less butane you can put in there, and eventually it will start sputtering and stop working. And it starts shooting out six-inch flames. It's kind of scary. That too. But that, sometimes that's because of a bad seal. But uh, one of the main things you can do is you take the lighter, and I'll get mine out, and you turn it upside down, and there will be this little hole where you put the fuel in, and there will be this little tiny circular thing you push down on, and I'll just push down with my finger here, right here, right? And that's butane being shot out. But you push down on that, and you can you can bleed the air out and try to get as much out as you can so you can put more fuel in there. The other thing you can do is, this is another common problem, is there is an adjustment on the bottom. Sometimes you need to use a screwdriver to adjust the fuel up or down. And if depending on the elevation you go to, where like high elevation requires a lot more butane to keep the, keep it lit, whereas low elevation requires less. So sometimes you'll have to adjust the fuel up or down, and which uh, if it's too low, it'll it'll sputter and won't work. Or if it's too high, it'll just be like a flamethrower. So those are two really simple things you can do. Just make sure you keep your keep it adjusted at the right amount of fuel you want, and keep the air out of your lighter, and it'll work a long time. And you know, since we're on the since we've touched on this earlier with the tobacco abuse, there's another thing that I've noticed it happens sometimes. And I know this does create a lighter maintenance problem because they the jets get clogged and dirty. 
is they get the the um, lighter. They're not paying attention when they're lighting or re- not lighting, but when they're relighting a cigar, and they get they bury the the jet end of the lighter into the ash, and they get it inside the jets. I know that's a big problem, and I believe that's a little bit harder to clean out, but it can be done. It can be done. You just got to be careful not to ruin the uh, sparker on the lighter when you clean it out. So you just very gently take your fuel and you push it, put it down on the lighter, and you blow a little bit of fuel, the butane, onto the the uh, the jet along each one. Be very careful of the of the sparker, and you want to make sure. And then you take a you can take a nice toothbrush and very gently scrub them, and then. Blow, blast them out one more time and then it's going to be very cold because of the butane so you just warm it in your hand for a couple of minutes and then you can light it up and most of the time it'll actually clear out the clogs and if not you can do a little couple more things but I'll, it'd be easier to show that in a video than just talking about it here well we i just got a camera uh delivered that you might you and i might be able to work something out and do that with and try it as an experiment and hopefully we can post up a video and help people out on that indeed you know, and and it's it's important as any good any good hobbyist is going to tell you. And I don't advocate this as a hobby because I don't believe it's a hobby. I believe it is a lifestyle. But any hobbyist, um, lifestyle enthusiast, what have you, in cigar related world, or in my case, the hunting world, in the firearms world, fishing world, you know, you have equipment that's necessary to to experience um, your desire. If you don't maintain that equipment, it creates problems, and that's one of the biggest things that we advocate on this uh, on our on our program and on our in our uh, time in general. And when we're talking to, to fellow cigar smokers, is take care of your equipment. Your humidor is a huge part of that; it has to be maintained. Your cutters and lighters as well have to be maintained. And if and if you run into problems, you know, head down to your local brick and mortar. It's not always necessary to buy another lighter. Now, mind you. The brick and mortar is happy to sell you another lighter, but in I'll like, sell you as many as you want. Yeah, but in this case too, you also have no problem with with repairing a lighter to to extend that experience. Particularly like you and I, those Bugatti lighters that you and I have that you can't get anymore. Those are wonderful lighters that you know we'll have to keep running as long as we can. Well, you can you can still get the inserts. I think that's great to hear. Because yeah. I love that lighter. It's a great lighter. And mine are missing. That's bad. No, you got to find them. Yeah, but I got my two DuPonts. I know where my two DuPonts are. That's the important part. So, any off any off humidor topics you want to touch on? Anything, any th- thoughts come to mind? Well, I don't know. We could always nerd out about Star Trek again, but <laughs> I don't have a particular subject for that right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't really either. You know, I've been... I've been on an NCIS kick on Netflix because there hasn't really been much else on TV other than other than watching the ball game. And, you know, my Red Sox are out. Lewis's Yankees are out. and it's, Dodgers uh, are out. Dodgers are out for Mr. Walsh. It's basically the Astros and the Nationals. And uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but let me um, consult the almighty Google and see how the game is progressing because last time I looked, the Nationals were ahead. But, uh, you know, it, it it's interesting. We'll see what happens. It's been a crazy week. Everybody's really busy right now. Well, the it's uh, the series is tied. It's three apiece, Nationals and Astros. 
Oh, so, so we go to Game 7 tomorrow night. I love it. I love when it goes to the wire in Game 7. It's a do or die now. Absolutely. Both teams are going to fight for it. It should be a great game. Um, I'm going to watch that one. And deer season's coming to an end in California, but I know it's starting up in a lot of the other states. So uh, to my fellow hunters out there that listen to the program, I wish you the best of luck. I'm going to do the best I can to fill my tag this weekend, but uh, promise doesn't look good for California. But next year we'll hunt out of state. My friend Craig out in Wyoming has said I can hunt with him, so maybe I'll have to plan a trip out there. You should. So with that, you know, I want to tell, I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in tonight. Um, one programming note for you guys: um, we are not going to be recording next week, um, so. We don't want you guys to despair if you don't see a recording from us. We will be back with everybody on the 10th, or I'm sorry, on the 11th of November. Um, that'll be our next recording release for you guys. So everybody have a safe Halloween, and we'll all be back to see you. We've got some great things to talk about that's happening here at this shop. we got a new manufacturer in, and that is the show before... Rocky Patel is coming to Tobacco Republic. November 14th on a Thursday. Yeah, he'll be here. Uh, is it 3 to 7 or 4 to 7? I think it's 4 to 7. 4 to 7. The man will be here. If you guys are interested in joining us at that event, um, please make sure you go to Tobacco Republic's Facebook page. They have a link to the event um, itself where you can get your free ticket to meet the man himself, Rocky Patel. And as always, you know, come in and see Craig and the rest of the group here pick up some great cigars. I know Rocky always brings some amazing swag, so that'll be great to see too. And uh, we really hope most of us from the cartel are going to be here that night, so you can come in and meet us as well. But the big draw is, of course, Mr. Patel. Mr. Patel. He will be here. On that note, guys, I want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you back on the 11th of November. Take care. Have a great night.